Come one, come all to the After Dark Podcast. The podcast in which Sheriff Anthony does his best to wrangle Conrad through Westworld, one doggone episode at a time. So kick back and grab yourself some Apple Jack, or some Adam's Ale if that's your preferred poison, and get ready for these two wannabe cowboys to ramble the night away. Music is provided by the fantastic Nancy White and Jared Iscariot. Enjoy the show! Hello, and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. My name's Anthony James, and that's Conrad. Hello! Well, Conrad, how are you this week? I'm very well. We're halfway through. I'll, I'll start, I'm going to begin today's podcast with an anecdote. Oh, um, I, I was getting a tattoo done not... What time is it now? Not to peek too far behind the curtain. Six o'clock. Six o'clock on the dot. So I was getting a tattoo done eight hours ago from where we sit. Um, And I was talking to my tattoo artist about Westworld because she's seen the whole thing. And um, and I was saying, I I was getting getting her to listen to the podcast. So, Cass, if you're listening. Welcome aboard. But also, (laughs) but, but, but I had to, I had to chastise her and be like, I know what you're like. You're you're gonna you're gonna spoil it for me, so we can't talk too much about Westworld. <laughs> and I just want everyone listening at home to respect and recognise the restraint demonstrated <laughs> on my part there to be like, you know what? We we talked a bit about Westworld, talked about where we were up to. Um, but, I, but when I started talking about Ford's new narrative, I saw a, a glimmer of something in her eyes, and I was like, you know what? This conversation has to end. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how my week has gone. It's been, it's been. I've got cuffs on. I've got cuffs on. I can't take oh, them off. That because, is unbelievable. Well, I, yeah. I respect the restraint, Conrad. I think everyone knows the restraint you have. You know, after the whole uh, name googling situation in dark, we've learnt since then. Even though that really didn't give you anything, let's be honest. But, uh, but you know, you know how to give me you, some right fucking answers is what is what it gave. You. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Much, right? Like you know, you know how to avoid avoid spoilers. That's that's what the listeners love about you. But um, tattoo artists, Westworld. Jeez, if. If the show didn't go down in quality, I would have considered getting like that, that brain map tattooed on me. I would have considered yeah. it. If, if it was just one and done, one series, I would have maybe got that. But no, no, I'm not going to get it now because... <laughs> well, we don't, I mean, the fourth season might bring it right back up in our estimation. Who knows? Could do, could do. I mean, um, I, I will say, actually, from where I'm sitting at the moment, this was another great episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was so much shit going on in this episode, and... Um, I, I I can't see. I think in some TV show like Game of Thrones, I know we we, we bang on about Game of Thrones a lot, mm-hmm. but Game of Thrones you could see the iceberg coming, like you could mm-hmm. see the quality starting to go in Game of Thrones, and it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, this this is getting a bit ropey, guys. Whereas <laughs> where we are in Westworld at the moment, I can't see a declining quality at all. And I from what people have told me, and I I do try to kind of um kind of isolate myself from yes popular opinion about something um mm-hmm. you know go in, go into it with you know a, a, a kind of clean slate let it let it uh, impress me or or not on its own merits um but but i what i have heard is that the second season just isn't very good um and i can't see how it goes from where we are now which i think is is it 10 episodes in this 10 season episodes in this one yeah yeah so we're halfway through i can't see how we get from where we are now to um to a, a big drop in quality, which, to be honest, maybe, maybe I'm going to regret saying this, <laughs> but I, I'm, you know, going into that, well, the rest of this season, obviously, but also the second season, I'm kind of expecting to enjoy it based on where we are at the moment. 
In fact, actually, I, I know exactly what you mean. This is really, really high quality. I do want to say something like, guys, this is actually going to be quite a long intro because I do have one actually other thing I want to say as well. So <laughs> I'll put timestamps in the description of this, oh, in the, the bar of this one. And if you want to skip on to us you breaking down. You sit there down. and you listen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, want to, if you want to skip on, just skip on. But basically, Conrad, there is a discussion to be had. I don't know all the details of this, so I will research them and we'll come back to this discussion. But just to get the wheels moving here, apparently... In the first season, when they finish, when they wrap the show, now this might all be bollocks, but this is what I've read and what I've been told. Okay. Apparently, when they wrap the sh- wrap the show, like wrap the shoot, all like the all the writers and like the producers went out high five at each other, being like, "Oh my fucking god, we've just made the best show ever!" Like season one, right? Yeah. And then they went and like high five and parties, everything. And then the editors rang them up and said, "Here, what the fuck have you sent us? Like this is." <laughs> A steaming pile of shit. Oh, and apparently, really? apparently, the editors made this season as good as it is. The editors saved the day with season one and made it unbelievable. So mm. that's that's a little just, sort of wives' tale of the film industry around this show. It does. I mean, you know, I'm not a film editor. I can't. I can't claim to be an expert at like kind of spotting good editing. But I mean, it doesn't. Certainly, like in an edit, you can you know save the pacing, save the uh, you know you, you can you can do a lot of stuff with um, developing themes that are there in the narrative, but maybe aren't very kind of uh, sensibly structured in in you know how how it was originally shot or whatever. But I don't know; it doesn't have the hallmarks of something saved in the edit because no- normally, like you're you're looking when when something has when that's been done to something you're looking for like dodgy performances or you're looking for bad writing or or something like that 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 mm-hmm. y- you can say oh yeah they're they're definitely kind of <laughs> picking picking this up in the in the cutting room and and kind of chopping around the bad bits but i mean wh- yeah that's interesting that well, is interesting. I, well, I, I mention we'll it now that. because now as you go through the second half of the first season maybe you'll pay more of a close attention to the editing just to see whether you see you see an impact of the editing or not just mm. just so we at the end of the season when we've seen the whole thing and we can reflect whether or not we think that that is well deserved that sort of little wives tale of the film industry you know what i mean yeah definitely i'll keep uh, keep an eye out for that okay last thing i want to talk about in this intro guys sorry it is long as i say timestamps now is the fact that a lot of people in the comments, not a lot, maybe five, six, seven, which is a lot to me. One person is a lot to me. Has been have been asking for the uh, for the images and the, the like the screenshots at the bottom of the the video again. Now I have I mentioned before that the way I was watching the show now TV here in the UK make it impossible to be able to screenshot or to be able to record the screen. It's just impossible. They have an extra pop up window. It's extra security. I cannot do it. Uh, and I've explained that a couple of times, and people in the comments give me some great ideas. Maybe, like there's a screenshot website that I could go to, which is great. But the only problem with that is, is that there isn't actually beat by beat screenshots, which is the way I like to do it. So I was thinking of experimenting by putting characters' faces on the screen for a second and then come off because just to remind you who we're talking about. But at the same time, if you it's a podcast, you might not be watching the screen all the time. So if you miss the, the flash, I, don't, I was really going back and forth, Conrad, and then something happened. Something happened, Conrad. What happened? For some reason, the last year and a half, two years, this show has been on Now TV, right? Just when we start going through it in a podcast, they've just removed it, right? Nice. So so today, as I am, very organized man, we are recording this at six o'clock. At half four, I went to watch it, right? I went to watch it and make my notes at half past four, right? Which is an hour and a half before we start recording. Yep. Unbeknownst to me, they've, they've removed it from Now TV. So... I am in a 
blind panic. How am I going to watch this show? Yeah. Con- Conrad's moving, uh, moving house now as well. So I have no. We have. No, like, I'm like, we get it done now, or we're we're late. We don't get it. This is the first time we haven't got it up on a Monday for like eight months or something. I was like, I have, I have to see this somehow. Yeah. Then I remembered, Amazon Prime exists. Oh. So I went to Amazon. And I bought the first season for £10. I bought the first season in HD for £10. So for the rest of season one, at least, maybe I'll decide to buy the rest now as well, because, you know, once you got one, you have to get them all. But now I've bought it on Amazon, and I do know how to screenshot from Amazon. Weirdly enough, Amazon's a bigger company than Now TV. But weirdly enough, I can screenshot from them. So I've got screenshots, guys, is the is the moral of the story. Oh, it's amazing. What a roller, what a roller coaster, Conrad. Yeah, we got through it. We're, we're, here, we're here with uh, screenshots again to guide you all through our, our rambling discussions <laughs> yeah, of yeah, this yeah. show uh, on a scene-by-scene basis. And, you know, that's, that's, putting, that's putting your body on the line for the team right there. Yeah. Putting your wallet on the line. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know. Like, I've... I don't I don't say this as a judgment to anyone else, but literally in terms of like pirating things and, and websites you can watch stuff on, I used to really be into that. Like, you know, I think Statue of Limitation is gone now, but I used to be really into that years and years they'll ago. They'll get you. They'll oh, get they'll, you. They'll get me. Like years and years ago, maybe I would have watched it on this site or downloaded the torrent here. I yeah. honestly haven't done that for like eight years. And it's not that I have a moral thing against it. I don't. It's just that I don't even know how to do it anymore. So I, yeah. I wouldn't even know where to go to. So hour and a half to go, I panicked. I bought the first season. I can now do it. There you go. You slap slap the money down, and that <laughs> yeah. was and 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 we're, we're we're all better for it. Yeah, like the man in black asking for a whiskey. I slapped the money down, and I said, "Give me now." It was Mister uh, Jeff Bezos brought, yeah. brought just like Ford comes over with the whiskey. <laughs> Jeff Bezos <laughs> yeah. comes over yeah. and says, "Here you go, partner." Yeah, and then he tried to stab him and be like, "You motherfucker with your rocket!" Yeah. And Teddy came in and grabbed grabbed your hand. <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. Okay, uh, let us then go into the breakdown after that big, big intro. What do you think, Conrad? <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, let's break it down! <laughs> Exasperated. Ah, what an intro. Now, 50 screenshots. Here we go. <laughs> Such Imagine. an intro, though. There is 50 screenshots, but I've done... Oh, there are actually 50? Oh, wow. There are, no, no, but, each, but there's a couple for each scene, so it's, it's oh, okay. not, like, 50 scenes. Okay. Um, all right, we start in a somewhat familiar place. Uh, yeah. Ford is talking to old Bill, uh, having a wee chat with him. Yeah. Having a lov- lovely little analogy to greyhound racing, Conrad. What did you take mm. from that? I sensed a metaphor in, the, in this uh, There's in a this metaphor afoot. Yeah, yeah. Like I put my monocle on. I was like, I do believe I see some symbolism before me. Uh, yeah, so we get to see Michael Wincott again of Alien Resurrection fame, uh, who I'm a big fan of, dressed up in his kind of... I don't know what... The, I can't remember this character's name. Old he Bi- ha- he's old Bill. Oh, he's old an Bill. old, he he's, said, he's an yeah, old yeah. Bill Hickok um Yeah, he does feel analog. kind of like a... He does. He does look like Wild Bill. Um, mm-hmm. Old Bill's great. <laughs> like yeah, Wild Bill. Bill. He is Wild Bill Hickok. Like, yeah. Bill. Well, this he is, became is, Old Bill later. Yeah. This is Old Bill Hickok. Well, actually, he didn't become Old, old Bill Hickok. He was shot in the back of the head while playing cards. But um, <laughs> that's a story for when we do Deadwood. Um, yeah. yeah. So listen, I am not the most attentive movie and film watcher in the world, but I know a fucking metaphor when I see one. All right, and when. When t- so first off, Ford reveals that Tommy, uh, who he has named before, uh, or or who the little boy that is definitely Ford has named before, uh, that is his brother rather than mm-hmm. a close friend. Um, and then when he starts talking about 
how Tommy and he both wanted uh, a greyhound or both wanted a dog um, and Tommy was the one to remove the leash from the animal that was stuck kind of running in circles chasing a felt rabbit i.e. a fantasy mm. um, yeah. it puts me in mind <clears throat> of a certain individual who's perhaps going around the park doing the same thing wanting to set uh, a creature that is running in circles chasing a fantasy free in the form of uh, Ed Harris's character the man in black and I think it's telling as well that when the animal was freed in this story slash metaphor the first thing it did was kill something um Mm. now i will be honest there are a few scenes in this episode where i wavered slightly on my i think the man in black is tommy theory um not enough to recant it i'm still on that train yeah but um but, but i think I'm sticking with this theory that it's him for lack of other op- better options at this stage. Because um, okay. the, the pieces of the jigsaw don't perfectly fit, uh, which we'll get into more as we go on, I think. But things, you know, like the accent and some of his reactions to young Ford and to real Ford later in the uh, later mm-hmm. in the episode. But certainly, this, this feels very much like... Uh, I, I feel like they are... Between Tommy and Ford, they are setting up this kind of dichotomy of, you know, Tommy wants to release these things and cause chaos, and Ford maybe maybe doesn't. And then they also have a similar dichotomy between Arnold and Ford, where yeah. um, Arnold wanted similar things to Tommy, by the sounds of things. Um, but they're very much kind of setting up this two-sided argument, I feel, and this this, this opening dialogue is is very much like a metaphor for all of that. Yeah, yep, I would agree. And I'll tell you, tell you what about analogies. As obvious as it was, it was one humdinger of a story, partner. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that response from, from him is so good. Because it's just like, you haven't listened to one word that I've just said there. Just like, so it's, it's like what my mum does when she asks me like how I've been or how work's going. And she'll let me speak for five minutes. And then she'll just be like, oh, that's good. And it's like, okay, right. Yeah. You, did, you just didn't care about that, did you? You just... Yeah. You just you wanted to give me an opportunity to speak, and and then end the conversation. Yeah, haven't been there for two months, and and you know she immediately waits till you finish speaking, and then says, "By the way, could you get the baby bell out the fridge?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is closer to the truth than you can possibly imagine. All right, okay. So, um, just like your mother hearing voices about these baby bell in the fridge for months on end. Dolores is hearing, uh, she's hearing Baby Bell. She's hearing, <laughs> she's hearing a voice. It says, "Find me." Um, it says, pa, 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 but yeah, I'm not going to carry yeah. on with that, with, with that joke. Yes, so I would argue. Now, I, so the first time I heard this, I was like, "Uh, who is that? Whose voice is that? That that sounded like it was a familiar voice." I didn't go and listen back to it, but I came to the conclusion based on what's kind of hap- what develops in this scene once once kind of Dolores wakes up from her um her like waking dream um that there were two voices speaking here and i think one of them was hers and i think the other one was potentially the man in black or or bernard one of those two that's okay. my that, that's my call but you think it's like a concoction of voices at the minute? Yes. I, I felt like there were two voices kind of layered over each other, like a, a, a masculine and a feminine one. Um, so, yeah, I'm not 100% sure what to make of that at this point, but it definitely seemed like... Well, there, there's some things revealed about who might be talking to her that make 
the 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 owners of the voices speaking in her head um interesting to say the least okay are you going to elaborate on this episode or are you going to wait yeah we'll fight we'll, we'll get to it we'll get okay. to it don't you worry about that <laughs> like, uh, yeah, she does she does mention the voice again later so we'll, we'll get to it we'll get to it well i mean it's ford ford giving all the giving all the giving the game away like as as he's wont to do bloody ford um okay so uh we've got uh the gang uh william logan dolores and S- slim i think his name is um they're gonna go down and meet al lazo down in the down in this part of the park where logan's looking forward to playing this part of the game they're standing in a big uh really awesome shot standing in in a big uh graveyard overlooking the plains through yeah. those big what do you call those things like big mountainy cliff things um, I don't know, they must have some sort fuck. of word i've uh, maces i think they're called maces th- yeah I think they're called maces. That like I, I've I've it's, it's been a while since I've uh, I've played like a game of Civilization where these show up as natural wonders, but um, yeah. I, I think they're called maces. Um, but yeah, so it's a great shot. It's very much you know John Ford Western kind of territory, like this beautiful vista. Um, but you know juxtaposed against the actual imagery of the scene, which is you know the cemetery and this kind of city of outlaws called Pariah, mm-hmm. um, that is a very kind of cool concept. I'm I'm really glad that they've that they've kind of gone this route um and it and it it's kind of a ridiculous city like it's one of those it's one of those cities like when you turn up in um i don't know like in playing like a fantasy role-playing game yeah, yeah. and you turn up in a city and it's like run entirely by dragons it's like how does the like infrastructure of this city work like <laughs> yeah, yeah. who's who's farming food for this <laughs> this city because it seems like everyone here is either a gold painted sex robot or like someone who just like wears skull makeup and dances all the time like there's no there's no economy here that i can <laughs> that i can see but it's a great city nonetheless well obviously they must they must cart it in because you can't you can't grow anything in that land no that's way. true it is pretty arid it is pretty arid um uh, I, I will just say here the reason i thought that there were two voices speaking is because when william kind of steps into shot he, he says he thought he heard her talking last night which i interpreted to mean maybe it was her voice was one of the voices saying find me oh like a little bit like she's speaking in her sleep oh, okay yeah possibly Cool. Okay, so they go into the city, um, walking amongst amongst this sort of very cram packed in city. They yeah. really highlight that with the shots where, like, when they're shooting people walking through, they shoot from like inside a stall or through pots and pans hanging. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool, uh, you know, way to, way to show how cramped it is in this city. Um, yeah. yeah. So. They have a little uh, conversation between Logan and William where Logan describes that Westworld is losing cash at the minute. Uh, hemorrhaging cash, hemorrhaging, I believe, he yeah. says. And uh, Logan is, says that their company is basically considering buying it out. Yes. So it makes me wonder what they do that they, they're in a position to buy out Westworld. And, you know, also why it's losing money. Um we've sort of had some hints i suppose if you would if you were to think of it like this like why are they so keen on like new storylines in terms of like lee sizemore was getting one maybe they need to reinvigorate something also yeah. it's so expensive you know well, i mean like they're the only uh, maybe actually maybe this isn't true maybe they're just not showing it to us but i feel like they're the only visitors here so this entire city seems to be operating 
exclusively on the premise that someone yeah. might come out this far, which is outrageous. Like, well, that's that's what Logan was explaining, wasn't it? Yeah. Like he said, like you know, you get out this far, it's so cool, isn't this so great? But they're hemorrh- hemorrhaging cash. Like it makes sense. Like it sounds to me like if it was going to be efficiently run, it would have to be. It would have to be like you know, only a couple of acres big. Like it would have to be the town that William was expecting to see. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than yeah, rather than this kind of well, I mean, it sounds like. That they've kind of crossed the border into a facsimile of Mexico now at this point because they, they you know they talk mm. about the border a few times. Um, well, they're, so, they're definitely on the on the border anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're, they're... So I mean, it's yeah, it, the 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 scale continues to expand in a really interesting way. I think at the moment. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, so interested to see how that sort of business storyline keeps going on. Oh, he also um, says that Arnold died before the park opened. That was the one thing I was um, right. I was going to mention, which is interesting that arnold didn't even get to see it open um based on what we find out about what his his intentions were later in the episode yeah yeah um exactly because i think he's isn't he's mentioned later on with the man in black and ford isn't he so yeah he's mentioned a couple of times yeah yep uh so we get a new group the confederados these guys (laughs) these guys are like I kind of love them because they're just walking one note bad guys. They're yeah. just like, yeah, we're former Confederate soldiers. We're racist drunks who want to start restart the war with the Union. And and it, there's nothing redeeming about any of these characters. Like you know where you stand with these characters. Yeah, at least Dolores's uh, fa- you know, father was on the other side. So that's you know, he wasn't he wasn't one of these like crazy drunken guys. Uh, but I know what you mean. Like they are it's a funny group, and but you know what, they get their come come up in this. I think everyone gets their come up in this episode. Let's be honest. Um, yes. Yeah. So um, we quickly then go away. We'll come back to that storyline later. We go away and we get the man in black with Lawrence, who you know, spoilers for later in the episode will later become known as El Lazo. Um, yeah. Um, he's getting dragged uh, by the man in black through the 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 sort of forest. I, don't, I suppose you can't really call it a forest in this the woods. Yeah, it's uh, like it's like shrub shrubland almost. Yeah, shrubland, and they're going through, and um, they mention for the first time Teddy's full name, Theodore Flood. Um, yes, yeah, it's a good name. Um, and there's something that I don't know if I. Sh- it's interesting. I don't know if the, I, I don't know if I should reveal whether this is a if this is like a, a misread from Lawrence or not. So I'm, all I'm going to say is, what do you fi- what do you find uh, interesting about the idea that he said that Teddy is Wyatt's friend? Um, because last time we saw Teddy, he didn't really look like Wyatt was, liked him very much. Let's be honest. Well, so, uh, what's a La- is it Lawrence who says that? I can't remember. Yeah, exact- Lawrence. Lawrence references. Uh, you know, looks like Wyatt, uh, Wyatt's friend or whatever. Uh, he's going to tell us where this place is or whatever. He said he well, calls him Wyatt's friend. So they were in the army together, which uh, I presume, mm-hmm. given El Lazo's um, kind of relationship with the Confederados, implies that maybe they had a run in before. Um, I actually don't know how much fighting in the american civil war there was around like new mexico kind of texas area i thought most of it was up on like the east coast to be honest but i i assume that he at least knows that teddy has was was in you know wyatt's unit or whatever it was like mm-hmm. um in the in the in the union army um to be honest the thing that that struck me more in this scene was um when Lawrence describes them as friends, uh, the man in black 
says that there's another old friend that he has who says that there's a path for everyone and i immediately started to think who the fuck has said that before and i can't Mm. really think of anyone i I feel it seems like the kind of thing that maybe bernard or ford would say but i don't know I, i i couldn't honestly recall um anyone who i've definitely heard say that line so far it it also you know i when i heard it i was also like you know, we know that he's met Lawrence many times because he keeps yeah. going on about, like, Lawrence loops back to him or whatever he says. And I, my thought is, like, you know, it would, it would just be like the man in black to just, you know, f- fuck with Lawrence because it was actually Lawrence who said it to him or something. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, it could be. That would be funny. And, you know, it's... It, it's... um, I feel like the man in black is... It, he enjoys, like, dragging this kind of torture out with Lawrence to a certain extent because mm-hmm. he must know already what he's going to do in this scene like i mean or at least he has ideas about it because teddy is clearly not doing well and needs <laughs> and needs blood so he's he's got the idea like percolating in the back of his head that is like well lawrence has served his purpose <laughs> and yeah, he, yeah, but, he's, yeah. but he's still just like having a nice chat with him before he does it it reminds me this this part like so obviously like you know um just to catch us up here um young boy with the uh stick and the the vest on comes back yeah yeah wearing uh, the same waistcoat that he'll be wearing in 70 years time yeah so uh so man in black says off you go and get some water lawrence's like but i filled the saddlebag this morning and then he's yeah. like <laughs> and, then, and then he's like well you know here's the thing and he empties the water out puts it down and the blood he cuts his neck blood drips into the bag yeah. um it reminded me weirdly of uh of Mad Max Fury Road, you know, like the blood bags, the, the, like the, oh, the characters yeah. who are literally... <laughs> yeah, just carrying Lawrence around. <laughs> yeah. It did make me wonder, actually, um, whether he was doing something similar when he bled the, the native uh, croupier earlier in in the, in the season. Because I, I didn't really understand why he took a bunch of blood from him either, unless he was maybe going to give it to someone else that we haven't seen um, seen him do. Did he um, did he take that blood? I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, he bled him, and I didn't. Re- I, I think at the time we discussed about maybe yeah, it would yeah. make it so he was weak, but not so not dead, so they wouldn't come and get him and cycle him back into yeah, yeah. the rotation. But I, I mean, it could be it could be that he did something similar, or it could just be the latter. But either way, I, I think it's um, a great a great decision on the part of the biological engineers and mechanics who make mm-hmm. these to make them all the same blood type. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just, just take it out of one, stick it into another. And it's not the only blood transfusion we see, or, well, the second one isn't a blood transfusion, but certainly some kind of liquid transfusion into a body that we see in this episode. Oh, yeah, liquid transfusion for sure. Yeah. I, I don't really know why... Um, I, I, I don't r- really know why they would put different blood types in conrad if i'm being honest with you <laughs> no, that would be the stupidest thing they could possibly do it might it, look realism that's what you need like, <laughs> yeah, no. just in case a scientist comes and thinks right let's check this blood see how real it is <laughs> yeah this guy Unless, uh, a b positive yeah like the hosts actually like one of them starts like knowing science and like knows those knows, knows yeah. m- like modern medical and like starts like working like in a little store you know like yeah. in red dead redemption the guy who comes around with like all the fake tonics like he oh, needs well, yeah, to like know. The snake oil sales <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. One, <laughs> you do like a, a louis pasteur based uh narrative at some <laughs> yeah. point you gotta have some wiggle room there with the science yeah. i mean that would that would be great also like that guy was loving drinking that milk when he was killing everyone so the pa- pasteur pasteurization could be a big thing <laughs> yeah. 
All right. That's a, that's a slight reach, I'm going to say, as far as jokes go. Oh, also, uh, I wanted to say one more thing about this scene, which is just, there's some great stuff in the score in this episode, but this, like, the score underneath this, it has, like, a very kind of, like, native war drummy kind of feel to it, and it's got, I, I don't really know how mm. to describe it, but it's like, that kind of, like, like, kind of very, very classic da-da-da. 50s Western. Yeah. That, I, I, I almost went into the Lord of the Rings or Akai theme there, yeah, and I was da-da-da. like, pull back from that. But, um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a great kind of really classical native uh, kind of score in, for, in, a, in a sort of stereotypical 50 sense that I was really into. It's interesting you say that actually because later on when we get to the moment where they're all talking to El Lazo around the desk, um, there's a shot of Dolores and I believe Logan? I believe it's Logan. Um, which I've got the screenshot guys so you'll see it on, on the screen when we get there. But you mentioned it's like a 50s... Um, western obviously the whole aesthetic of this is the western but it wasn't till i took a screenshot of the screen and put it into the program that i'm using uh microsoft powerpoint have you heard of it uh, once i put it in there i could actually see the image was slightly lesser quality right and it just looked perfectly color wise and everything it just looked like a still from a 50s or 60s uh western it was unbelievable yeah I, i'm still waiting for them to do like the hero shot of like the silhouette uh, on on like a you know a dusty a dusty street, oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. you know someone in the very very like uh, close foreground and someone else in like the middle distance. Like they haven't gone full schlock with it yet, but there are yeah. definitely those kind of shots where it's like, okay, you did watch a lot of westerns when you uh, or before you made this. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Okay, so um, Maeve back on the table again. Um... <laughs> Can I just say these two characters? What a what a pair. What a pair they are! <laughs> like, I feel well, we like lo- I think Felix is the name. Felix is Felix is 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 the 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 East Asian guy. I didn't didn't learn the other the other guy's no. name. I feel like he could be played by Seth Rogen if like they wanted. Like this is this is like classic buffoon comedy that goes on here. If this was before, who's that? Who's that cancelled guy from um from uh, T.J. Miller? Yeah, this is like so. Before he was cancelled, I maybe would have said this guy's a, a poor man's T.J. Miller. Now yeah. T.J. Miller is a poor man's this guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, this guy's still acting, whereas T.J. Miller isn't anymore, and we're all better for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, it's just a. Uh, it is. It's like a. It's like almost slapstick. This comedy, like yeah, I'm gonna go get a sandwich and go into the VR (laughs) tank where I got a redhead waiting for me. You know, oh my god, that VR tank. I've got some things to say about this idea of a VR tank (laughs) because we find out from one of these. They this chop shop is just staffed with the biggest scumbags I've ever seen. Like they're just the worst people. This is like. Where, where I feel like they're just like, staffed exclusively with people who are like sexual deviants, basically. Well, no, I, I think th- if there's like a documentary crew came in and met everyone who works there, they're like, right, I can talk to this normal guy who's just doing his job, or I can talk to the one who has the redheads in the VR tank, the <laughs> yeah. guy who who likes to pat his lucky dead bird, and yeah. and and also this guy who uh, who sex lo- with bodies. Yeah, that guy as well. So we'll focus on them. <laughs> but you've got, but like, I mean, you've got this VR tank, which you know they don't go into that much detail about, but. You know, you could imagine like what it mm-hmm. is. It's you know some kind of, I don't know, sexual gratification or whatever. But then, so you've got that. You don't need to be going and having sex with like the clammy, cold bodies of of, of deceased hosts. I guess it's a fetish, but or a, a, like I, I hesitate to even call it a fetish, really, because it's gross. But it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, the, these the, the body shop gets a bad a bad rep, <laughs> like in this <laughs> episode, is what I'll say. 
What did you think about um, Felix having uh, this little bird? I thought it was a mouse uh, originally when I first saw this. I, I thought it was he was patting his lucky mouse. Um, first thing what? I thought was she, he'd get on well with Charlotte Doppler. Like that's... Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ornithology. <Yeah. laughs> ornithology dropped again. Like they, this, yeah. That word ornithology keeps coming back uh, in the shows we watch, to be honest with you. It does, yeah. Um, uh, so, I, I, I mean, I think... It, it, it's didn't I didn't to be honest I didn't initially kind of predict where it was gonna go I he's using it to like practice his coding so that he can maybe get a promotion from the chop shop to behavior or wherever else um, mm-hmm. but it makes a load of sense it does make a load of sense I feel I'm not sure actually whether there would there wouldn't be a path I feel like maybe. Oh, I guess they're saying the park is losing money, so maybe the implication there is that like career progression has kind of stagnated for these guys, mm-hmm. and there isn't, there no longer is a path for them to do it without kind of you know lying about it and 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 taking shortcuts. Um, but it certainly is dangerous what he's done, what we see him do in this episode, and I feel like the implication is he may have done more than we see him do. Yeah, exactly, and also the bird did peck. Uh, yes. That- the the, yeah. the 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 VR tank guy. Yeah. So and if that bird is coming back violent, yeah. there's other people who are coming back. But maybe we need to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> Leave Felix in the chop shop is all I'll say. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Teddy, he's rosy red. He's back at it. He's got a oh, his... couple of pints of blood, and he's yeah. bright as rain. He's <laughs> yeah. back at it. He's back. He's he's back to the Teddy, uh, the Theodore flood. We know we know very well. There's yeah. been a flood in those veins. Uh. So. <laughs> He used to be beautiful, apparently. So um, the man in black is talking to him, says he used to be beautiful uh, because, first of all, I, I thought, geez, kick a boy when he's down. Yeah, but, like he's, not, but, he's not that bad looking. Like He's a little bit bruised <laughs> up, but come on. But then I realized he's actually just talking about the hosts themselves because he says, yeah. you know, he, he used to, when he opened them up or whatever, he saw like there was like sort of real intricacy to the work within the machines, but now they're just flesh and blood like us. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he says... Great line. Your humanity is cost-effective. Yeah, so it's it, it's interesting, this idea um, that when they were more mechanical, they were actually more expensive to run. And, and I don't know if, if, like, kind of logistically I really buy it, but I think from a kind of thematic standpoint, it really leans into this idea of, like, these kind of... I don't know, I picture, like we've seen it in the intro like the kind of vats of milky stuff that seems yeah. to kind of like protein or whatever it is that kind of soaks into the the, the musculature and, and grows but this idea of these things being like vat grown mass produced i guess you could get there with mechanics as well well i th- um, I, th- I think it's I, I think it like alludes to the idea like 3d printing is like you know making labor costs lower and stuff you know yeah yeah but but it's um it, it, it... <sighs> I find myself throughout this episode more and more siding with the man in black in all of the interactions that he has because while I think he has done monstrous things and continues to do monstrous things in this episode he is at least aware that he is a villain um, Mm. which is more than can be said for some of the other equally villainous characters that I think we're starting to see in this show yeah okay makes sense um Young boy with the vest comes back uh, with the water, sees uh, Lawrence hanging from a tree dead. Uh, and He's very de- calm, very calm yeah. <laughs> about that. Like a, a man in, bla- in black is just like, don't worry about that. Someone will be along to fetch him shortly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Like this, this boy is on holidays with his parents. Jeez, get back to Sweetwater, boy. You know he's, he's too <laughs> yeah. he's too far out. 
This is not the children-friendly area. Um, no. Okay, uh, so back to the town. It's nighttime now. Um, oh, talking about the score. we uh, It comes back later in this episode, but uh, mm-hmm. Claire de Lune is one of my favourite pieces of classical music uh, by Debussy. And it, it's, play, it's played later by Ford, but here it's played very gently on a guitar in the background as this scene is going on. And it was like, oh, this is, this is cracking stuff to, to you know, sneak this in. I'm very pleased with. Yeah, it's great. And uh, they have a little chat here about the sort of changing your story. Um, William accidentally says the real world. And that, mm. that, that, that uh, sort of pricks up for Dolores. But then William's like, hang on, hang on. I thought you weren't supposed to realize that. And so obviously this is, again, cogs turning, cogs yeah. turning for Dolores. Yeah, and faster and faster, I think. By, by the end of this episode... Oh yeah, Th- like things are happening for, in Del- with Dolores's character that, uh, that it seems like almost a sort of um, like a like unwrapping an onion, you know, like as as you get closer and closer to the center, you're mm-hmm. kind of taking off more and more of uh, of the whole bulk of the of, of the of the vegetable and layers, um, layers, layers, yeah, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so she's starting. This is that's a comment that couple of weeks ago or however much time has passed she would have just said doesn't look like anything to me and then just kind of like carried on <laughs> yeah, playing yeah, with yeah, her yeah. horses or whatever <laughs> and like now and now she's like stopping and actually questioning things uh which is a path i hope to continue to see her go down because uh well i enjoyed her i enjoyed her her wardrobe change in this uh in this oh, yeah. uh, episode i'll say that much for now and i'm enjoying seeing where her character ends up yeah, exactly. Because she also mentioned at some point she doesn't want to be the the damsel anymore, and then she gets her new clothes and all. It's really cool. Yeah. Um. Really cool. She really suits them too. I like. I. She looks real badass to me. Um, yeah. All right. So moving on, we've got uh, sort of Logan comes up, interrupts them, yeah. and says, "Al Lazo is gonna meet us." Um, and then he calls uh Dolores a doll. Um, yes. because because you know he doesn't want to go to a brothel um with dolores and logan's like what are you talking about she's just a doll he's like come on man she understands and from logan's point of view this must look like william's going mental what because he's like siding with her over... yeah like exactly what logan thought was going to happen is happening like he's becoming like overly attached he's like and like logan's like you know to me like if i was logan right i would think that this guy is is going a bit crazy here because he's just like falling in love with this host you know yeah, I I mean, yeah, I I I I think William. Is... If I'm Logan, if I, I'm Lo- I'm not yeah. Logan, but if I am, <laughs> I th- I think William. It's hard with this because there there's a few things that happen to Dolores and and between Dolores and William in this episode where I'm like, is this is this real? What they're experiencing between each other, or or, or is one of these people putting it on a bit more than the other? I'm still not sure. I land on that, and we'll, we'll mm. probably come back to that for a, a longer discussion later when the kind of romantic arc reaches its zenith with with those two. But certainly in this scene where where Logan comes and interrupts them, um, we get like the kind of Dios Dios Mertos uh, kind of parade that that comes mm-hmm. through, and Dolores sees herself. I, my first reaction to that was was that real? Like I guess it does make sense for them to potentially have duplicates of the hosts and I think by the end of the episode I was like okay I don't think it was real because she's kind of seeing herself in other places um, but sh- but I, I f- that combined with the Lawrence stuff makes me think maybe maybe there are duplicates um, that uh, that are kind of wandering around or put back into circulation or, some- or something along those lines 
that's interesting. Um, because yeah, she does see herself later on with the tarot card readings and stuff as well. Yeah, um, and that's clearly like imagination. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure whether this is, but okay. Um, well, as you say, she does go into the sort of the the deal, uh, the Day of the Dead sort of. I don't know if this actually is the Day of the Dead, but it's that sort of it's definitely culture. made up to look like it. I think. Yeah, that's sort of that's the sort of culture they're going for. Um, and she gets taken away by who you would re- you would imagine. Um, is Bernard, uh, mm. but no, it is in fact Conrad. <laughs> um, it's that man again. Old. Wait, hold on. I, I need to remember what is his name because he Bobby. said he gets said Bobby. That's right, Ro- Robert. <laughs> yeah, right. Robert Ford. Um, I've noticed something as well, actually, and and to be honest, I've noticed this based on the screenshot that you just put on the screen there. But it does every time. Bernard talks to Dolores. She's fully clothed, and when yes. Ford and when Ford talks, talks to her, she's naked. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was actually going to point out. That exact fact. Yes. Yeah. So that's. It. I mean, I'm sure that's probably nothing more to that than simply visualizing the kind of perceived power dynamic there. Um, but that's just struck me. That's quite interesting that that uh, that that's the case. Um, well, we do know as well that Bernard has been doing things in which. Um, Ford has been warning him sort of, you know, be careful, be careful. Ford has almost been, like, seeing Bernard go along a path, possibly which Arnold, this mysterious Arnold once did. And it makes me think that, well, if Bernard's doing that, and we all know, like, what we've been told about Arnold, like, that he cared about, like, these hosts, and he wanted... he, he, He almost... He wanted sort of the host to be more respected, or however, however you want to say it. It yeah. seems that he, that was his job in the in the pairing of him and and Ford. So Bernard seems to be going down that road as well. So therefore, Bernard wanting their clothes on would sort of show that actually, yes, that's the same sort of thing. He has the respect for the host, whereas Ford is like, this is the thing I created. I tell you what to do. It's much more clinical. Yeah, well, I think there's also an element of you know, like, kind of God in the Garden of Eden there as mm. well. Like he he sees this as their Eden, therefore they should have no shame and should be happy to be should should be happy to be naked. Whereas yeah. Bernard appears to be more human. Um, which yeah, I see that as well. Is interesting based on some things I think about Bernard. But so Ford is fully aware of Dolores's wanderings as he describes them mm-hmm. which makes me think he is also fully aware of Bernard's parts in that as well um which is interesting that he just allows it to carry on you know he has warned Bernard as you said but he hasn't you know put, put his foot down and said no more of this you're you're you know you're under surveillance or whatever it would take to uh, mm-hmm. to stop it um there's a lovely line um here as as he's talking to Dolores about um her becoming more and more aware of who she is where he says that uh, your mind is a walled garden even death cannot touch the flowers there um it made me want to go and look up the line straight away i didn't uh because we all know either, how, how how late i did this but i thought like is that a quote from something i'm sure someone in the comments might know i wonder actually it doesn't immediately i mean i'm no shakespeare expert but it's tended to be shakespeare quotes and i don't recognize that one but it could be it could be a a, a quote from shakespeare it certainly has the kind of uh poetry and like lyricism of, of of shakespeare um but yeah so ford's ford says some things in this scene i think it's safe to say so the first thing that i wanted to to to, to draw upon here is that he says is arnold speaking to you again mm-hmm 
so we don't know or we haven't seen arnold talk to her at all she's heard some voices well we know that she's one of the oldest hosts in the park so she would have been around when arnold was around yeah but i mean the the saying is arnold speaking to you again implies that arnold is speaking to her currently or you know has spoken to her very very recently okay um which okay so uh, i mean let's break that down arnold we assume was a human he was a partner with um ford and Mm -hmm. he died i'm gonna say in mysterious circumstances because i don't buy the suicide line 35 years ago before the park opened so is arnold talking to you again to me implies that they I, I kind of had this suspicion that they'd somehow managed to like harness a human consciousness and put it into either a host or an AI or something like that um, mm-hmm. and that and that, that was kind of perpetuating Arnold's existence and when he said this I was immediately like okay yeah something's going on there like so, someone is speaking like Arnold is speaking to Dolores through someone else or something else here because I, I she's not hearing well, well, like she is hearing voices but they're not like i i feel like that uh, him him saying that is he is he speaking to you again implies a lot of dialogue um uh, rather than just occasionally saying find me or whatever so i have some thoughts about that I'm, i don't know if i'm fully ready to commit to a theory on this but i'm definitely i've got i'm basically looking at anyone that is speaking to dolores either in her head or as a um as like a character giving her mm-hmm. advice and being like, okay, who, which of you is a fucking robot? That's basically where where I'm at now. Because, well, what I'll I'll do is I'll let you make a theory, and then we'll we'll allow this one to be mal- a malleable theory. Like if you want to change it later on, that's okay. But I, I think I think the, the the listeners would love to hear a, a little theory coming out of you. <laughs> okay, well, so I mean, I don't think it's the man in black. I don't think he can be Arnold because I'm pretty sure he's. Although I'm wavering on that, I think he he has talked about Arnold enough in his own dialogue that it wouldn't really make sense to me for him to be Arnold. I don't think it's Ford for obvious reasons, and he he's had a lot of dialogue with her. So really, that that le- the only characters that leads who have had significant dialogue with Dolores being Bernard, William, I guess you could say Teddy, but I don't think it's Teddy. Teddy doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on, um, <laughs> and um, I, you could maybe say. Um, Oh, what's his name? The security guy. The lesser Hemsworth. Um, yeah, I don't know his name. We keep calling him the security guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> security guy. But I mean, he only had one scene with her and I think that would be very anticlimactic for him to be Arnold. So, <laughs> so, so, I mean, really, we're talking William or Bernard. And I don't think, I don't think William is a host. I don't think that makes any sense. Like, the way he is is very deliberate. Is very... It, is very human um which makes me think that like bernard maybe is a host because if i think back at how bernard has acted he's not robotic but he's he's very um he's very empathetic but almost like too empathetic like he notices things that like a robot would notice like we're going back to um, the security lady when he like notices her little eyebrow movements and stuff like that and obviously you know it's his his business to kind of capture these little um little um movements for for behavior but i feel like he he is 
quite distant, quite cool, but also very perceptive of, of like emotions and very good at his job. So I think I'm going to say Bernard is a host and somehow Arnold is kind of act uh, Arnold's consciousness is acting through Bernard. Um I don't know how that works or whether it's an AI that or like or some kind of way that they've captured, you know, Arnold's Arnold's uh, consciousness, but I I feel like that's got to it's got to be one of those people talking to her and I feel like it's it's most likely to be Bernard at this point. So it's what made you sort of go down that road is that technically Arnold isn't talking to her. You know, so when she was asked when's the last time Arnold talked to you, she she like didn't have to say whatever like yesterday, you know, because well, like you so know So he says when he when when you last saw him. Right. Last last contact. So I don't I don't oh, know. I took contact. that I took yeah, that yeah. as like chatting as well. Um I so, yeah, so I, I did it to be fair, I did interpret that differently. I took last contact to be when did you last see him and then uh that deliberately being at odds with her saying with him saying oh is he still speaking to you yeah like it does end as well the scene does end with her like sort of saying he doesn't know i didn't tell him anything so there is a little bit of mischievousness going on there with dolores herself yeah i mean i i think she so she is talking to i i think actually on reflection she is talking to him in her head which does kind of throw a bit of a spanner into that because if she can talk to let's say it is bernard if she can talk to arnold in her head and she's actually talking to to bernard in this way why would he need to bring her in to speak Mm. to her physically it does throw a bit of a wrench in that but i still feel like he's the only one who could be speaking to her unless it's a i guess unless it's a character we haven't met yet but i'm gonna stick with bernard i'm gonna say i think that, that he's actually a host and that they've actually done some messing around to get arnold's kind of consciousness into him and that's uh and that's what he's referring to, but it could totally be a new character. Um, there is a, actually there is another theory to come out of this. I, I apologise okay. how long this is going, but this is a oh, yeah. this was th- a thick scene. It was yeah. uh, dense. Um, so the last time she saw him was the day he died, uh, which I have said before that I think a host killed uh, Arnold, and mm. I and, and he also I'd like uh, Ford also says that Arnold wanted her to help him destroy the park i have concluded that i think dolores is the one who killed arnold okay i mean he died like she she saw him the day he died and his death is shrouded in mystery mm-hmm. i think it is yeah I, and actually like at the end of this scene when she's like are we good friends and then <laughs> and then like ford is kind of it's a really great bit of acting from anthony hopkins like he's kind of almost on the verge of tears it seems Mm -hmm. um when he says no i I wouldn't call us friends um which implies a long relationship potentially one with a lot of a lot of water under the bridge so to speak yeah yeah i i I know what you mean like i got that sense as well i i love the delivery by anthony hopkins you are right no he he, like the actual line is like i know i wouldn't say friends dolores and then, the, the, then he says this again, which really makes the line delivery fantastic. He says, "I wouldn't say friends at all." So it's really like it's like something that he's really thought about. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. It's yeah. I, I thought it's that a was rare moment of vulnerability for his character yeah. as well. Like it is very kind of intimately shot, um, close in on his face. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful moment. Yep, it is. Um, okay. Next up is Felix playing with his bird, which we've chatted about a little bit um, yep. already. Yep. If he's messing with a code of birds, he's only one step away from messing with a code of hosts. 
That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. So I think the only thing that's sort of interesting here is um, Maeve comes back in the room and he's like, oh my God, it's her again. And in my head, it just popped up like, you know, I, I just wish he would have said like, we can't keep meeting like this, you know? <laughs> Credits roll. <laughs> like, yeah. it freeze frames. Uh, yeah, that, this, is, this is an ongoing comedy act that I'm a big fan of. Yeah, Felix, the, the boy Felix. We'll catch up with him later. Uh, okay, so um, Alazo is revealed. Yep. Lovely, lovely, uh, um, like, you know, reveal. His head comes up under the brim of the cap, uh, under the brim, brim of the hat. Yeah, very Indiana is, Jones-esque. It is our boy Lawrence. And, of course, Alazo would imply his name is still Lawrence. And we do get confirmation later on that this his name is still Lawrence. So this is the same character. Yes. Um, He is, like, he's 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 been drained of blood by Ford. Uh, not, sorry, not Ford. Um, What's his name? Man in Black. Man in, Man in Black. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting Ford and Man in Black mixed up in my head now because of what happens later in the episode. And then what happens is, is that uh, Alazo, well gets re-put back into the park yeah and he just happens to be here what do you take from that so uh, so he was cycled back in already because uh, to be honest when like when Dolores sees herself in that like uh dios uh dios muertos kind of parade i was like okay is that just a a, a vision for her and then lawrence turns up like l- seemingly less than a day after being killed and i was like is this a duplicate of lawrence as well that's just here um, well, I ass- I assumed it- I assumed it wasn't a duplicate, but yeah. but that's just my assumption. Um, yeah, and so I mean, I, this seems like a narrative leading them to leading them further into the maze. To me, it seems like Lawrence or El Lazo has become a part of this narrative of Ford's bigger narrative that seems to include this maze in some way um because he'd have to be here for the narrative because that uh dolores and william and and logan are all mm. are all pursue they're told about el lazo before he's even here so what would have happened if he hadn't been killed um and uh although actually no it can't be the new narrative because i think i feel like the man in black knew that he was going to be taken here well, for me, this was impl- it implied to me that this is a stage of the game that the man in black has already sort of went through. Yeah. He knows Lawrence. He knows Lawrence from here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that makes more sense actually, because because later in the episode, it's revealed that the man in black doesn't really know what's going on with the Wyatt narrative because it's a new it's it's a new thing for him. Um, mm. So I don't think this is ne- going to tie into the Wyatt narrative, or is it? Or if it does, I think it will be quite tangentially. As as you say, I think the man in black's probably seen this bit before. Yeah, because uh, he knows Lawrence from somewhere, and this sort of you know must be where he got him from. Yeah. Also, Lawrence is branding the brain symbol on to coffins and stuff so yeah. he's, he knows a lot more about this game in his in his like host role than he sort of has been letting on i suppose yeah yeah i would say so um yeah that symbol it's an interesting one i still don't know what to make of it but it looks like a it looks like a maze and that's the most that i can really say about it at the moment um other than that the scene we get some some lovely western narrative gonna steal some nitroglycerin for the confederados um and um yeah, like the, the Dolores, I believe, gets her costume change here. Uh, she does, um, but just before she does, she starts like uh, trying to like sort of 
be a poetic self and like get uh, El Lazo to to you know play along with them. Yeah, by you're being seeking like, something. Yeah, and he's just like whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is the screenshot. You know, obviously, audio listeners, this will only be for a second. But this is the screenshot, Conrad. If you have a look at it, mm. it looks like a still. Like if you look at her, yeah. it looks like something from a 50s, 60s western. Yeah. It looks like perfectly. It really, it really does. Yeah, it's 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 uh, like the color, like the the production design, everything about it just looks spot on yeah it looks great and i didn't actually realize that until i took a screenshot and really looked at it you know but okay so she gets her new thing they the sort of they work a deal with el lazo that they're gonna go and steal some explosive liquid of some sort yeah what is it nitroglycerin i'm not exactly yeah yeah so it's nitroglycerin she gets her costume change she's got the big bandana around there um she says i'm not going to use the gun because uh these men (laughs) we'll see how long that lasts yeah, Union soldiers like my father. Um, I think as soon as she said that, you're like, well, she's going to be killing people yeah. pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, they, it's, yeah. I mean, there's several Chekhov's guns going on in this group of individuals, I think it's safe yeah. to say, between her and William. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what is... I can't remember, actually. The gun that... Remember the the gun that she found in... Or she buried in her yard? Yeah. Some, and, and, and it was in her, in her drawer. I can't remember where that gun went. Because we she didn't did, see she, it again. She she put yeah, it back when she into went like out, her she, underwear yeah. drawer or, or you know yeah. her, her, her clothes drawer, and then we didn't see it again. And I'm I I, I don't think this is that gun because I feel like her finding that gun was maybe it was just symbolic, but I feel like there was more to come from that gun. Um, mm. So I am definitely keeping an eye out for where that comes back into uh, comes back into play. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so I'm going to run through what the happenings here, and then we can sort of decompress afterwards. Yeah. Basically, they stop the uh, nitroglycerin delivery from the Union soldiers. Um, obviously, we can tell what's going to happen. Logan is really into it. You're Whereas all going to are- live through this, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And William's a bit sheepish. Uh, Slim gets shot, uh, yeah. unfortunately. Um and then William has to step in and start killing a load of fools because they were going to kill Dolores. Uh, Logan then, it's all a bit too much for him. He starts getting strangled. Um, and then uh, William has to save the day by killing everyone. Obviously, this hits William very hard. But at the end of the day, they did what they were supposed to do. Suppose Slim's dead, you know. But as we know later on, his his work for the for the cause is not over. Yeah, he'll, um, he'll be repurposed. He'll be repurposed some way, somehow. Uh, but yeah, so they get the stuff and they take it back to the Confederados. Yeah, so I, I will say William is a very polite bandit. He sort of, when he when he's taking <laughs> the guns off of them, he's like, could you please just go over there? Everything will be fine. And <laughs> I, I think um, the punches that they're getting thrown here seem like they hurt to me, which um, is kind of in keeping with what they've said about the experience getting more real and intense the further, further out you go. You go. Mm. So if you compare it to the fight that the man in black had in that kind of uh it was either you know like kind of texas or, or like north north mexican uh village where lawrence's family were yeah he got shoved around a little bit but it was mainly people standing there shooting him which doesn't really hurt very much at all like mm-hmm. you kind of get like the paintball gun bruise but that's it whereas in this like this guy's actually like strangling lauren uh, strangling logan rather um so it definitely feels like the experience is getting a lot more physical um as as they're as they're kind of progressing outwards yeah i feel like the stakes are getting higher like i think that that there is a possibility that i don't like i don't know maybe there's some mechanics within these robots where while they're strangling a visitor they're monitoring their heart rate or something so it would stop before they died or something like that there must be something going on because i'm sure you can't actually die from the host's 
Ideally, ideally, you can't die from the host. I mean, I hope Logan can. Away. If anyone's going yeah. to, I'd love it to be Logan, frankly. Um, well, he doesn't have a heart, so... No, you that's know, a good point, yeah. They, um, they can't monitor it. I, the one one other thing I will say is that when they get back to El Lazo and the exchanges made with the uh, Confederados um, and, uh, and Lawrence invites them to spend the night with him, yeah. And by presenting them with, with three nubile gold-painted women. That gold yeah. paint probably seemed like a good idea at the time, but I'll tell you right now, <laughs> fun and, it's all fun and games until you start rolling around on a bed, and then that's going to be an absolute nightmare to get out. So I think it's very short-sighted by um, by Lawrence, which is frankly is in keeping with bad. his character. This is the big bad Al Lazo. You think he hasn't got spare sheets? You know, come that's on. That's true, yeah. He probably has loads of... Well, I mean, he'd have to have... The, the, the amount of people having sex in his whatever that establishment is i don't know how they make money there but it's uh <laughs> like they would all need i can say is if his his if his family could see him now like that's you know <laughs> yeah bring his daughter there for like this is what daddy does yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how she saw the brain symbol from the from the woman. She like ran for refuge with the tarot card reader. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So then we move on from that sort of this display of nudity with uh, them being offered these gold women. Um. Into Elsie is sort of running checks on. Uh, yeah, she's the... getting, getting very hot under the collar. <laughs> very like we, you know, getting very hot under the collar. She's like poor. He's he's missing by four percent or whatever it is. He's pouring this thing, and she like makes some joke about like he's got a big dick or something. Yeah, um, she's desperate to get it working, but get him working because he's got a big penis. This does like speak to me. Like it's you know it's great to see it. Like to be honest with you, like the, I know that was a big uh, that was a big early seasons of Game of Thrones. I know I I know that there was a big hubbub about like you know we're getting all these boobs. Where's all the dicks? You know, so it's good to see it from Westworld from the from the get go. A little bit of both. You know, so many people who work for this this park are horny for the hosts. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> unreal in this episode. It's like Elsie, sell. the walls of this room are made of glass. Elsie, <laughs> like everyone can see you. Just sitting there looking at it, yeah. but but I will say, like she, when she goes um, to get access to the host that tried to kill her to run diagnost- diagnostics on it or whatever she wants to do, um, she goes and like you know talks to Destin, lovely name. Um, yep, uh, seems like a nice he- man. Nice, nice man. He's the one who is pleasuring himself with the hosts backstage. What actually made me. Uh, laugh here was now. Don't get me wrong. Elsie has not committed anything near what this man has, but. She shows him the video of of what he did, and then he's like, you know, I, I don't want to lose this job, you know, I'm not going to take you to see whatever. And then she gives him a little talking to, and I thought, Elsie, we you're the first person we saw getting sexually gratified. Yeah, from like the host. this is, you know, uh, it's not the same thing. I'll give you that, not, but yeah, it's yeah, she's a little bit rich to be judging another <laughs> another person for for this. To be honest, you know, she's had a she's had her eyes on Clementine. Yeah. She has Clementine is, is 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 the white whale for for Elsie definitely, but um, I will say as well what I would thought was interesting here is I get the impression now maybe she's at the same level as this guy, but I got the impression that everyone who works in like behavior and storylines and everything are higher than this chop shop. Oh yeah. So so why does this this guy like when she says show me the like he's she's threatening him saying I've got a video of you having sex with one of the hosts. <laughs> yeah. Show me. Uh, the one I want to see, otherwise, or else. And he's like, I don't want to lose my job. I'm like, mate, what do you think's being threatened? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like what, what do you think's going to happen if this video gets out? They're not going to be like, cool. You know, we yeah, all, yeah. we all, we've all done it. Um, yeah, it, I, I feel like these guys are completely outranked. But, I mean, maybe it's a departmental thing. You know, she'd have to go to his manager and, and go through a whole, a whole process. 
Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, okay, so she gets access to the guy uh, uh, who the big guy smashed his own head in with a rock. Yeah. She finds a little lasery thing uh, mm. in, in his arm and then she takes it back to Bernard and they, re- and they talk about it's a laser-based satellite uplink. Yeah. Uh, and someone is using it to smuggle data out of the park. Yeah, and we, we get a lot of like body horror in this episode with people pulling their own skin. Or in this case, pulling up the, like this guy's skin to reveal the like antenna of this satellite uplink. I don't know who's smuggling data out of the park. I don't I have no th- no idea who's doing that. I mean, the obvious guess is the man in black, but I feel like I, the man in black can't be everything. But then I I feel like it's it heavily implied that Dolores has one of these in her as well, which would then suggest that everyone that the man in black has so far come into contact with has maybe got one too. I don't know. I, I feel like everything can't come back just to him, but I can't think of any other more suitable candidates at the moment. Well, we do know that there is there is uh, friction between Ford and the board. Yeah. No pun intended. No, no rhyme intended, I should say. <laughs> yeah. But but like I, like they also said there's a representative of the board already been sent. Now we we don't know if we've met them yet or you know what's going on there. There might be there might be some unknown player that we haven't seen yet. You know. Yeah. That is true. I, I feel like the representative of the board has got to be one of like William or Logan, based on based on the fact that we literally haven't seen anyone confirmed to be that yet. Um but yeah, it could maybe it's someone we haven't met yet. It would it would make sense in terms of like corporate espionage for someone who has a financial stake but doesn't actually own it to be the one who's kind of smuggling out data to see how the operation is run. Um mm. so maybe it maybe it is one of them perhaps uh speaking of uh william and logan um sort of logan saying like it's great to see you get out there and do that do your thing and uh he says don't you get it? like there's no heroes here you've you know you've seen that everyone has a dark side and then we get a little bit more backstory so he talks about the fact that um logan says like do you think that i brought you on this trip because you know you're a threat to me no i brought you on because you are not a threat to me mm. uh even though you're executive vice president uh, you know, so we get the idea of where William yeah. is in the, in the company now. I love this line from Logan too. I know Logan's a shit, but sometimes the writing of his lines and his dialogue is lovely. Yeah. Uh, th- when he, when he, it was, f- it was such a palpable moment when he said, and the day that you got that role, you said, thank you for the opportunity. And then he, and then I thought that was great. And then he went, and that was the best day of your life. Yeah. It's, <laughs> he, he is great as the like smarmy son of the boss untouchable kind of business prick uh in this scene mm-hmm. and and i feel like there's probably an element of truth to what he's saying as well I, I don't feel like william is necessarily cut out for the world that he lives in now um mm-hmm. you know with with those like executives um which is probably why he reacts the way he does i think yeah, yeah, definitely. He's, he's sort of he's more kind-hearted. Um, but as as Logan said, though, we are seeing a different side of him, so maybe that'll come out more as well. Yeah. Um, Dolores doesn't like this chat they're having, no. so she off up and leaves. Yeah, runs through this com- scene that's like the fall of Rome. Just like it just, it's just gold paint and and buttocks and slow thrusting as far as the eye can see in this in this building. Unfortunately, I couldn't include many screenshots of that, so I've <laughs> I've got uh, I've got the uh, the tarot card reader, yeah. And uh, Dolores just immediately sits down, takes a card, and wouldn't you know it, it is the brain. You called it a maze. Let's call it a maze. The brain maze. Yeah. Um, and then Dolores sees her, like the tarot card reader turns into Dolores, mm. 
um, and starts like talking to herself and says like you know maybe you're unraveling and then Dolores like takes a thread real classic classic uh, sort of mind unraveling thing here yeah takes a thread from her arm and pulls it down and it makes yeah, a big like, gaping hole it in her reminds arm. me of, like David Cronenberg or like Darren Aronofsky kind of pulling mm. the skin up it was like real like oh that's gross um, but it's yeah I I feel may I don't know whether that's necessarily confirming that she has the same thing as the guy that uh, Elsie just looked at, but I feel like it's close enough that it's not by accident that they've they've kind of revisited that. Um, so maybe she's being used for it too. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a it's a great moment, and you know that this whole scene is a great example of Dolores's mind kind of unraveling as well. Yeah, I think it's being done really well. I think I, I I'm really buying it to be honest with you. Um, speaking of. Uh... There's no, there's no, there's no segue here. Slim is <laughs> Slim's got a pipe in his throat. Slim's got a pipe in his throat. I, listen, um, I'm not a scientist, but I don't think you can. Ju- I'd, may, I'd love to be corrected. If someone knows how to do this, get in touch in the comments. But I don't think you can just pump nitroglycerin into a body. There is a cavity in there. Now it is yeah. pretty full. I will, I will grant you that. <laughs> like, Did they? Maybe they cut him open and took all his organs out first. I don't know, but he maybe. is full. He is full of nitroglycerin. <laughs> Yeah, I would want to get a match near him. Yeah, thank goodness they did not okay this bit of pyrotechnics, is all I'll say. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So he's getting pumped up. Uh, Dolores sees it. Um, So she she, she has that little information in her now. Um, I love, I love, like, it just keeps adding in these great little Western moments, even when they don't need to. She's walking away, the scene ends, and uh, El Lazo goes... Slim always had a bad temper. Like he's like, be careful, be careful. Slim always had a bad temper whenever they're moving the coffin away. Just to- <laughs> <laughs> it's a, this is a great plan. I'm a big fan of El Lazo's plan here. And but if, well, we'll we'll come back to it because this must not have happened this way before. Is my thinking. I guess Slim could have always died on that job, actually. But I just I wonder how this ended in previous kind of loops of this narrative. Maybe it was just like a different body or something. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. Actually, yeah. So how or may or maybe it's like as if possible, if as, as much as possible, Slim needs to die. Yeah. So maybe the ones the, like the hosts on the cart, like the union union soldiers, have it in them. Kill Slim at all costs. Yeah, you know? I guess so because yeah, it, it just I like the idea that this never goes down and in the following scene where you see the drunken confederados like joking around throwing bottles of nitroglycerin to each other the the one that drops it just blows up the whole city or <laughs> well yeah. i see end of that narrative oh it's hilarious um wouldn't you know it speaking of sparks flying oh. sparks are flying with uh william and dolores here having a wee kiss yeah um, very honest, I think. Very, I, I, I didn't mm-hmm. get a sense of any emotional dishonesty here. I feel like it's perhaps motivated by tension and stress um, as mm-hmm. much as by an, a genuine affection for each other. But I, I do buy this between them. Yeah, I, I do as well. Which, which to be honest with you, makes it a little bit worse considering we know that William is seems to be engaged to Logan's sister. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that this is seems so genuine brings the fan uh the, the question that one of the listeners had a few few episodes ago about like is it is, is it, it morally yeah. is it cheating yeah i think we're probably getting there with william here because it's, <laughs> yeah we're gonna find out sooner or later how william feels about that i think yeah yeah exactly um now they're distracted um oh first first of all uh dolores says that the voice in her mind is telling her that she needs william is another thing yeah yeah so that i mean that doesn't feel like 
memories of Arnold. This is one of the reasons why I was like, it's got to be someone who's currently speaking to her because that seems to me like instructions from someone. Um, mm. Which makes me also wonder why she needs William. Whether it's because there needs to be uh, visitors present to bypass something in the park. Mm. Um, I do kind of feel like Logan and William are patsies a little bit in this and they're going to take the fall for something. Maybe violently so. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see where that goes. Yeah, awesome. Uh, okay, so we get distracted. Look around. There's Logan getting dragged away. He's like, help oh, this me. Is a, this is a great moment where he's just like, no, fuck off. And <laughs> just yeah, walks yeah, away to like, leave you know, his ass beat. Yeah, you want me to play the game? You want me to bring my true character out? Well, you know, go fuck yourself, mate. Yeah. And so they, they walk away. Unfortunately, the Confederados are here. They've realized what was going on. Yeah. They're not, the, the nitroglycerin is not in the bottles anymore. And um, William tries to kill some people. He then fails. He gets one. But, yeah, he gets one. Luckily, yeah. Dolores... Dolores calls high noon and drops yeah. like four people. <laughs> yeah, 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 There's yeah. definitely some like gunslinger coding in Dolores somewhere that, that, that she called upon for this. Because, yeah, she put some bodies on the floor. Well, there was a shot, Conrad, and I was wondering whether you noticed it. Before it went and showed her killing everyone, it like flashed to her for like maybe a second. And, and it was like the way... She moved into the shot, right? She moved into the shot. And the way she did it, it the first time I watched it, it was almost as if like something was awakening within her. Mm. It was like she was like rising like The Undertaker. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I didn't notice that, to be honest. But that's a great observation. Because it does mm-hmm. feel like, you know, she's entered into like a fugue state where she's like, okay, yeah. I, I was like a bounty hunter in another life. So I know how to fire a gun, you know, quickly and, de- and with deadly accuracy, which is what she does here. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really cool to me. Um, okay, so uh, they accidentally, uh, William and uh, and Dolores, when they run away, they accidentally somehow continue the game. They get Wouldn't onto a train. <laughs> they they get onto a train. They find Lawrence in the train. Unfor- like uh, 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 how this happened, I don't know. They are on the next stage of the game. It was always like a video game where it's like arrows on the floor pointing you to this yeah. way. Yeah, she had follow written over her head and William <laughs> ran after her and the train was moving at just the right speed to have a, you know, them get on it just as it's just as it's leaving the station. Yep. So they're on. They've got guns pointed at each other. Dolores absolutely genius move she's figuring shit this is what i was saying about the onion metaphor like you know first she drops like four guys and then she's like you know what i'm not playing anymore it like i will shoot this thing with nitroglycerin in it i like she's figuring stuff out fast now yeah so she puts the gun at the nitroglycerin in the coffin obviously lawrence has straight away been like okay this is serious (laughs) um which makes me it makes it great is because i would love like you think about like this being a game so i I love the idea like if she hadn't have seen that or if or if uh, william hadn't have seen that or you know i don't think he did but if someone who's in that carriage didn't see that nitroglycerin going into that body right it makes me really think about it and i'm like how would that have played out, that little interaction with Lawrence here, yeah. if you weren't able to just defuse it by putting the gun on the thing? It's like you needed to have that little chapter before to make this go really easily, you know? Yeah, no, I I, I think the the sort of intricacies of it, like they're, they're, so, they're so complicated and there's such narrow margins, but it all kind of plays together so, so brilliantly. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, so they, they, they accidentally continue the storyline, they yep. sort of, guns, guns go down, uh, Dolores notices that on top of the coffin there is uh, the branded brain symbol, yeah. um, which is interesting. 
Um, so I'm sure we'll learn more about that in the future. But these characters are now with Lawrence. Uh, they're off, off they're going on the train, wherever they're going to. Logan's being dragged away by the Confederados. I hope he gets um, the absolute he, shit beaten out of him. That's will we see thing. him again? Will we see yeah, him again? Of Connor? course we will. Of course we will. Like it, it's not Logan is far too good a dickhead to just die off screen like a dog. Like he's going to come back <laughs> and be even worse than before. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, next scene was a big one. Yes. The next scene was Ford coming in, giving whiskey to uh, the man in black. You've got Teddy there as well. Yeah. And there was there was a fair bit of chat going I, on. I will give myself some credit in this scene. As soon as I saw the waistcoat and the hands playing the piano, playing Claire de Lune again, I was like, that's fucking Ford at the piano. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was robbed of any sense of satisfaction because he immediately reveals himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He reveals himself, uh, gives the whiskey. Um, the man in black is immediately like, whoa, whoa, look who we've got. This is great. Teddy, look, yeah. you know, this. you'll be very happy to meet this man. He gave you everything you have, every every happiness and every suffering as well. Um, and I like those little back and forth here where um, he says about the Man in Black, I, I lack the uh, imagination to even conceive of someone like you. Because Man in Black <clears throat> is saying that he, yeah. he I, I made myself the bad guy is what you, this place needed. Um, and then I love, uh, then Ford says, yeah, but like, you know, the urgency that you show, like how badly you want this, yeah. it it's it shows me that there actually is a little bit of anxiety there, you know? Yeah, which I think is I think is interesting for what it tells us about the Man in Black's character. Because I've, I've said previously that I think the last critical failure at the park, which I guess is what where Arnold died, given it was about 30 years ago, what, what they've said... Um, Maybe not actually, because it was thirty years and thirty-five years ago that, that Arnold died. So they are different, um, technically. But I've said before that I think the Man in Black is motivated by perhaps some kind of tragedy that befell someone close to him at the park, um, and he's trying to get some kind of revenge or shut it down from the inside. And I think that it could easily be that because he's getting old, maybe he's not well anymore that that anxiety to see it through before he dies is is becoming a, a ever ever more pressing concern for him um mm-hmm. but it's a yeah it's a fascinating scene between these two so they very crucially don't say his name for a start they call ford robert which immediately mm-hmm. tells me okay so these two go way back if he's calling him robert immediately um and when they're not actually revealing his name, it is an underlying way of saying when we find out who he is, it will mean something to us. Yeah, and I, and I think it, even without saying his name, the fact they're not kind of introducing each um, themselves to each other means oh, these two know each other very well, mm-hmm. uh, which certainly leans into my uh, Tommy theory. Um, I love this a bit of an aside, but when they start talking about the new narrative and they they turn to Teddy to talk about his relationship with Wyatt, and the Man in Black makes a little face like, where you know when you when you like ask one of your children to say something at the dinner table and they <laughs> and they say something stupid but it's cute, like <laughs> like he kind of he kind of looks at for it's like that's adorable, isn't it? <laughs> like when Teddy's <laughs> talking about his relationship with Wyatt. He didn't say the line though. I was just like, say the line, say the no, line. No, he, he refused. Came back with some crazy ideas. <laughs> yeah, he knows. He knows not to say it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, they openly talk about the maze together here. They openly talk about uh, the man in black trying to solve it and. Uh, forward asking what he thinks he's going to achieve uh, at the center mm-hmm. um 
and there's some interesting this this is maybe not as as kind of uh plot critical as i thought it was but it was certainly interesting for the world building where uh, the man in black talks about how outside of the park he says it's to teddy is a world of plenty so I, i'd kind of envisaged a, a blade runner style nightmare where only the super rich were coming to something like this and everyone else kind of lived in poverty but it sounds mm. like maybe it's more of like a star trek we've solved scarcity kind of thing and that's why like we're a now... wally like a wally yeah future. almost like a wally future like well not on the planet like a wally yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the spaceship yeah. wally where everyone's kind of lazy and hedonistic because we solve scarcity and so we're searching for meaning as a species in creating life perhaps um but so i thought that was really interesting um mm. and, and then we find out that uh, the man in black stopped arnold from destroying the park 35 years ago with Dolores's help um, but believes that any kind of morality when, when Ford suggests that maybe uh, the Man in Black is looking for the moral of the story to the park uh, uh, Man in Black kind of quips that any morality the park has died the same day as Arnold um, which is it tells us so much about their relationship with each other and what Arnold brought mm-hmm. to the table and what and what Ford brought to the table or didn't bring to the table, as as the case may be. And then obviously we get the moment where um, the Man in Black kind of uh, he doesn't snap, but he he you know he threatens Ford and suddenly yeah. Teddy, who is still you know half dead, uh, in theory very weak, is immediately able to overpower the man in black and grab the knife from mm-hmm. his hand which is a really cool way of I think demonstrating the power and the potential lethal force of the hosts like even when they're <clears throat> even when they they are weak they are still very very capable of overpowering a human yep yep exactly and it's it's because this this uh, show has so many characters in it and so many actors in it a scene like this you could be forgiven for forgetting that we have Ed Harris Anthony Hopkins and James Marsden yeah. in a scene around a table. I mean, together. that's it. That's it's... the power of HBO right there. Like, you know, that is a, yeah. that's a great cast for any scene, um, and it's it shows. Like, you know, it's it's just this this remind it put me in. It's not really the same kind of thing, but it put me in mind of the scene in Heat where Al Pacino and Robert De Niro kind of sit down and talk to each other across a a table in a in like a coffee shop or it might be a bar. I can't remember, but it's that same kind of thing. Like these are these are elder statesmen, heavyweight actors, and you know James mm-hmm. Marsden is no slouch as an actor either. You know he's 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 a, he's a perfectly fine actor, and it yeah. and it really shows. Like there's just such such quality to the writing and acting in this show. Yep, exactly. Um, and last thing is that when he's leaving, um, Ford says to uh, Teddy, he says, "Mr. Flood, we must look back and smile on our pe- on our, on our perilous past, or something like yes. that." Um, seems to be planting a seed of some sort. Yeah, I wonder if that's uh, that's something to do with the Wyatt storyline. I'm sure for Teddy. Um, hmm. I don't know how much smiling he's going to do about <laughs> about his relationship with Wyatt, but we'll see. Well, it seemed to make him stand up straight away and say, like, all right, let's go. Let's get cracking. You know, so yeah, I guess him... it could be like it did do that as well. So that could be another one of those like code phrases that like instructs the the hosts to do something. Yeah. yeah, Like, you know, sort of get get rid of this sadness in you or whatever. Yeah. Um, OK. Uh, last scene, then um, we have the bird. Felix gets the bird working backstage. Yep. He finally gets it. He's ecstatic. It flies over, lands on Maeve's finger, who's woken up. 
uh, and says, I think it's time. She says, hello, Felix. She knows who he is. Yeah. She's been listening. And she says, I think it's time you and I had a chat. Oh, so I took her knowing his name as an implication that he had done what he's done to this bird to her as well. Like he's been futzing with her code while, oh, she's, while yeah. she's under. Um, Potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I just, yeah. I, she could I have been just, listening as well, I, to, be re- to be fair. Like, I, I gave my un- interpretation of it as a fact, even though it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, we, we deal in objective facts here on, <laughs> on, on the Culture Cave, and that, that is what we're giving you. Alternative facts. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Um, yeah, Maeve is up. She's up and about. Uh, Felix is in trouble, I'm going to say, I, th- <laughs> I think, in this situation. Because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, good luck squaring this one with the boss. They'll, they'll put up with people banging the hosts. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what they're there for. Uh, but but messing with the code behavior are going to come down on that like a ton of bricks I think. Yeah yeah I think I think um, unfortunately there's glass walls so yeah <laughs> someone's got to see what's going on yeah, here like he, he like immediately tries to draw like the curtains just like oh my god <laughs> don't look yeah like steam it up <gasps> yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> sort of sprinting around the room to sweat and get condensation <laughs> on the walls. There we go. All right, guys, that's us through the episode then. Conrad, what do you think? Do we get into the roundup? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, IMDb rating is 8.7, so the same as last week. Oh, they're all strong scores. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard, this, because like I'm literally just every single one, I'm like, these are all great. There hasn't been a bad one yet, and picking between them is so difficult. I, I think this one, I loved the... Uh, the pariah stuff I thought that was really cool the man in black Ford stuff is fantastic Dolores is become rapidly becoming a great character another one of those episodes where we don't get as much Maeve as I would have liked but we got a little bit and I, I suspect mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot more in the next episode so I'm happy to bide my time it, this was a great episode it was it was um, okay so you've mentioned a couple of theories. Let's quickly go through them before we give a couple of questions from the listeners. Okay. Uh, what do you? What theories? So you I've got? got four. One of them I'm almost certain is wrong, but I thought it, so I'm sticking to my guns on it. Um, first one: the duplicate Dolores was real, and other hosts also have duplicates. I'm not that convinced about that one. Um, next one: Dolores killed Arnold. Um, I haven't actually really said this one actually, but I think the explosion of the nitroglycerin body is going to give them access to something in the park that maybe the visitors are required to get through. So maybe it's going to like you know expose a door or something that requires uh, visitor access to get through. Um, mm. The world outside the park is a Star Trek style utopia, and one that I hadn't written down because we kind of talked about it while recording. Um, I think Bernard is. I think Arnold is talking to Dolores through Bernard somehow okay and are, are you wrapping up that idea because you did mention that maybe bernard is a host are yeah you I, wrapping I, that I, in, or is that a separate theory i suppose it couldn't be a separate theory, yeah it's really. kind of they're kind of implicit uh well they're kind of um dependent on each other really because i don't see how arnold's consciousness could be talking through bernard if he wasn't a host so I think okay I'm, so i think bernard for all intents and purposes that theory is your Bernard as a host theory. Yeah. But you're also leaving yourself a bit of wiggle room just in case Bernard has actually got files from Arnold. He's reading them off. He's yeah. also talking to a... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it like that. <laughs> I like I like a wide theory. Conrad Conrad does sometimes oh. put too much detail in his theories. Never. So. I've never done that in the history of all the theories that I've written down. <laughs> all right. Some absolutely cracking theories there. I'm loving it. Uh, I think we are. This is shaping up to be a great one. I think a lot of these theories... Um, 
Very actually, little gets checked them... off. I'm going to say that now. Like the yes, Theory Matrix yes. review at the moment, there's basically nothing that has been checked off. So I'm a little anxious that as we get to the end, it's just going to be like, well, they're all unconfirmed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it is a show that's still ongoing as well, yeah. remember. So season four is coming out at some point in 2022. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it being confirmed that they're in space. That's my that's, awesome. that's my big my my my, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my big theory. Yeah, Moon World. Uh, I, I I would love um to know the listeners' uh, thoughts on this. There is only one way really to do it. If we do it, if we do season four of Westworld on the After Dark podcast, which we are planning to do. It will be unprecedented, Conrad, because it will be coming out weekly. So I will have not seen it as well. So when we get to season four, when it does come out, we start covering it. What do the listeners want us to do? Like, do they want us to wait till the whole season comes out so I've seen it? Or do they want us to do it? Probably we're leaning towards weekly, but that means both Conrad and I will have not seen the show. Yeah, it means that you can't feed me secretly the answers to, to <laughs> theories so that I, I maintain my good record. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I'd, I'd be interested to hear, to hear what they think. I'm happy to do that, it either way, yeah. really. That would be funny, Conrad, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be hilarious if, like, as, as soon as I don't know what's happening in the show, your theory oh. points go way off the deep that end? Would be, that would be so damaging to my credibility as a, as a theory meister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, two questions from the listeners. Okay. First question comes from Bill Ross, long-time listener. And Bill says, um, possibly uh, next episode, uh, but actually it was this one, um, and says, what's the significance of uh, Lawrence and Al Lazo being the same host? Well, they say they're the same host. We've actually had a chat about it. I think they're the same character. Yeah, they are. I'm pretty sure they are. Well, actually, I I, I tell you why. Um, because um, I went and looked up what El Lazo means, and I believe it means the lasso. I didn't mention this. I should have done the recording, which um, it can also... We're still recording, Conrad. <laughs> well, yeah. Jesus. Someone should have told me. Um, <laughs> so I think it means the lasso, which I think can also be translated to the rope, which if you remember how Lawrence was found... Um, oh yeah. So I, I think it is implied. In fact, they literally call him Lawrence. I think at some point, don't they? Like when they do, they do, they do. Yeah. So I don't know if there's necessarily. Hmm. <clears throat> and the, the hosts don't always keep their names when they change character. Like uh, Mr. Abernathy, when he changed, he's still Mr. Abernathy, even though he's a new host. So the idea of it being the same host and the same name implies it's the same character. Yeah, to me. I, I feel like. The they are they are they've always been the same person. I think the significance is the implication that the man in black and Dolores are very much heading in the same direction. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. No problem at all. Next question comes from Vic Disco. Uh, Ted asks, well, two questions, uh, both for Conrad, but maybe I can respond a little bit as well. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the first one is basically just um, the story that Ford told to Old Bill about the Greyhound running in circles. Um, we've touched upon this a little bit, but Ted was sort of asking, is there a deeper meaning um, <laughs> to the story, uh, and what do you think he's talking about? I think he's talking about the Man in Black is tommy who wants to let the greyhound which is the host off the leash and let it run after the rabbit which is i don't know humans and it's going to kill them um i think that's that's definitely the metaphor there to me okay um 
I don't know, Ted, if I can answer this question knowing what I know about the show <laughs> in a way that doesn't sound spoilery. I'm sure whatever I said, Conrad, would be none the wiser, but just in case, I'm not going to answer it because there is definitely something that has been driven at by a lot of characters in this, and anyone who's seen the first season will know um, at the end of the first season, certain characters find what they're looking for um, in a way, and I don't really want to delve into that a bit too much um, for Conrad's sake. That's, that's, uh, that's got the... That's got my, my my brain whirring. Just the very thought of that is like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I knew even saying that small amount would 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 be like you know chum in the water. But uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll move on to the second question from uh, from from Ted. And Ted says, when Dolores hears the voice in the graveyard that says "Find me," and she responds, "Show me how." Mm. Um, who do you think he is? So, uh, and why does Dolores? Uh, why does Dolores uh, need to find him? So the voice, I think Ted is talking about the male voice. You said there might be two voices. Yeah, I felt like the there's voice... two voices layered over each other. Yeah. But maybe maybe I'm just wrong on that and I misheard. But that's that's what so it sounded like. We actually just talked about the voice. But Ted's driving at the point of the voice talking here. Because that's a really good point. When uh, they say, find me, and then uh, Dolores says, show me how... Who who is this talking? We've talked about that a little bit, so we don't have to delve into that. But why and what does it mean for Dolores to find them? Well, okay, so I'm going to have to do some some hashtag extrapolation here from what I already think is going <laughs> on. So this is all going to be predicated on my assumption that I'm correct about Arnold speaking through Bernard and Bernard being a host. If that is true, and it's Arnold who is talking through Bernard to Dolores here saying, find me then we know that Arnold's kind of life's work was filling out that kind of pyramid of consciousness for the host, mm. and he never got to the top. He never figured out what was at the top. Yet if he now exists as a sentient consciousness within the body of a host, it implies mm. that he fi- at some point he succeeded or someone else succeeded for him in filling in that top portion of the pyramid. And in asking Dolores to find him, he is asking her to become aware herself um, of mm-hmm. what it takes to achieve that final level of consciousness. So, I guess if I was if I was really kind of if I, I was just completely shooting from the hip, I think Bernard is kind of Arnold is speaking through Bernard. Maybe it'll be a conversation with Bernard, but I feel like she's already having those conversations with Bernard, so it'd be kind of weird for her to end mm. up wherever she's going and Bernard to just be there. But I could see it being like maybe Bernard standing in front of like a supercomputer that is Arnold's consciousness inside of it or something like that that is communicating through Bernard. Um, sort of source Cody. Yeah, kind of something like that. Um, so I think that's probably where I see that going. Um, and, and what I think okay. it's trying to get her to do is just basically find where that is and and maybe the explosion is going to blow a hole in the ground that opens up a door somewhere or, or something as as kind of route one as that okay uh awesome and last uh, is not a question but a comment from ted as well and this is great this we'll use this going forward in the show i'm sure okay and that is the idea that's the the term slap leather which we were wondering about last week is actually another way of just saying draw your guns because when you reach down to get them your hands slap the leather oh, so okay uh, fine that makes sense this is why I'm glad we have an international audience because people can 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 fill in the blanks for my ignorance on these these kind of terms. And now you know I, I'm richer for it. I'm culturally enriched. In I almost said enriched then enriched <laughs> by by this. 
Yeah, well, you know, there's no more international audience than Ted. Ted's a, Ted's a globetrotter. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we, we love Ted here. We love the listeners. Thanks very much, guys. If you want to ask Conrad a question about the next episode, then get into the comments of this one and you can actually uh, ask a question in the pinned comment. If you want to send us an email to ask a question, go to adpodmail at gmail.com. Thanks very much. Last thoughts, comrade, before we wrap this thing up. Um, I'm looking forward to an entire episode of Logan just having the absolute shit kicked out of him. Uh, that's what I think <laughs> the next one's going to be. DVD extras. Uh, okay, thanks very much, guys. We will see you next week. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Like the video, all that sort of stuff. Thanks very much. Uh, audio listeners, if you want to catch out other stuff we do, like we have a movie podcast and all that sort of thing, jump on over uh, to the to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the Culture Cave. We also have loaded links in the description for supporting us if you want to jump in there. Thanks very much. Apart from that, guys, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. The After Dark Podcast has been a Culture Cave production. Please subscribe on audio apps as well as on YouTube at The Culture Cave. Join us next week as Conrad journeys further into the unknown.